Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 12. The book of Acts chapter 12. We will begin reading at verse number 11. Acts 12 and verse number 11. Give you a little bit of context of this text here. Peter is in prison. James, the brother of John, has already been killed. And it is the desire of the people that Peter would be next on the chopping block. He is in prison being held, awaiting his execution on the morning. And the Bible picks up in verse number 11. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord hath sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod. I love this next part, and I believe this is a deliverance that everybody needs. And from all the expectations of the people, that's a deliverance that everybody needs from the expectations of the people that are around you. Amen. From the expectations of the people of the Jews. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel came to hearken named Rhoda. And when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. And they said unto her, you are mad. You're crazy. But she constantly affirmed in the face of those that were telling her, it's not here. It is here. What you're praying for is here. That it was even so. And then they said, it is his angel. But Peter continued knocking. And when they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. But he beckoned unto them with the hand to hold their peace, declared unto them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. I want to preach to you for the next few moments on a Rhoda revival. And I want us to understand today that there is something knocking at the door of this great church. I feel it. I see it. I sense it. Maybe not in the natural, but man, if you can tap into the things of the spirit right now, you can feel there is something knocking at the door of Atlanta West right now. If you believe that, I want you to lift your hands. I want you to lift your voices. And I'm asking you to pray right now that God would have his will and his way in the remainder of this service. Lord, I love you. I thank you for your word, God. I thank you for what you're about to do in this place. Come on, that's it. Just talk to him just for a little bit. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Lord, I magnify you. Let your kingdom come and let your will be done in this place, oh God. Lord, I hear your word, Lord. We just want to hear and repeat what you want done in this house today. In the name of the Lord Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus. One more time, why don't you give the Lord a hallelujah? Clap your hands and let's in expectation believe for God to do something marvelous and mighty in this house today hallelujah 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 amen amen you may be seated in Jesus name as I've already said Peter is in prison and it is the delight of 
Herod and the people that he would be killed. And I love the phrase, and it's something that everybody here, I believe, you need to get it uh, rooted within you. You need to have this phrase uh, become a part of your everyday life. The Bible says, Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church. That phrase, but prayer, needs to become a part of your everyday life. Because I believe that no matter the circumstance, but prayer can make a difference. No matter the sickness, when God's people get together, prayer will make a difference. I believe no matter what the world is wanting to do concerning the church, but prayer can make a difference. It is no coincidence that in Mark 11 and 24 that we were taught, therefore I say unto you what things soever you desire when ye pray, believe that ye receive them and ye shall have them. It is the teaching that everybody needs to get down in your soul. You need to believe when you open your mouth in prayer that something is happening. You need to believe that when you pray, things shift and things change. You might be Daniel praying and fasting for 21 days, and it seems like nothing is happening. But in the heavenlies, there is a war being fought that you cannot fight, and God is doing things that you cannot do. Because if you will win the war on prayer, God will win the war that you cannot fight in the natural. If you will win the war on getting alone with God, God will win the war on deliverance that you cannot win, on healing that you cannot achieve on your own, on a change that you cannot do by yourself. There is something that happens when God's people begin to pray. And so today, I hope that you get it deep down in your soul. Prayer changes things. And the Bible says that the church was praying. And while the church was praying, the angel of the Lord went out on their behalf and began to do the work that they could not do. Peter gets delivered from the prison and he is brought out to the edge of the city. While he is brought out, he comes to himself in the realization, uh, God has delivered me. He heads to the house of Mark. His mother would be Mary. And at this house, while they are there, he begins to knock at the door. The promise, everything that God's people had been praying for, everything that they had been striving for, pressing for, believing for, began to knock at the door. And the Bible says something beautiful. Rhoda, a damsel, came to the door and she heard the voice of Peter. The Bible does not say that she laid eyes on Peter. The Bible does not say that she looked beyond the door or through a glass in the door and realized it was Peter. But she recognized the voice of the man of God knocking at the door and said, this is what we have been praying for. She did not lay eyes on the promise before she believed it. She did not see it with her tangible eyes 
before she bought into it. Uh, but before she ever laid eyes on the promise, uh, she said, I hear it uh, and I believe it. Uh, I'm here today to tell you that we need a Rhoda revival. We need a revival of people that can rise up in this house today and say, uh, before I see it, uh, I believe it. Uh, before I lay eyes on it in the natural, uh, I believe it's knocking at the door right now in the supernatural. Before I lay eyes on it uh, in the, come on somebody, can you believe that before your sickness is healed, uh, that the healing is already at the door? Uh, can you believe that your prodigal is coming home uh, before they ever walk through the can you see it in the supernatural and believe what you're hearing today? You must understand that Rhoda is a damsel in the house of Mary. What does that mean? That literally means that she is hired help. She is a slave in the house of Mary. She is a young, insignificant player in the scheme of the story. She is an insignificant young lady that is merely nothing more than hired help in the house of Mary. However, this little insignificant girl, when she heard the knock at the door, had enough spiritual intuition to know this is what the church has been praying for. I believe with everything within me that in this end time revival that we are going to have a revival from insignificant people that feel like you have been looked over. You're not important. You don't have the right pedigree. You come from a broken home. You come from a place that you thought you could never be more than what you are. I've come today to tell you your significance will not be found in your last name in your pedigree, in your ability to preach, or in your ability to sing a solo. Your significance will be found in this moment that God has brought this church to where he's saying, can you believe it before you see it? Come on, I'm here today to preach to somebody that feels looked over. I'm here today to preach to somebody that feels like you don't matter. I'm here today to preach to somebody that feels like you're just another person among the crowd. Oh, you might think that, friend, but if you can rise to the occasion at this 9 a.m. service to believe with this preacher and with this ministry team, this is your hour. This is your day. This is the season for the church of the living God. If you believe that, I want you to clap your hands and lift your voice. Come on, shout, I believe it. Shout, I believe it. Shout, I believe it. Shout, I believe it. Shout, you believe. I don't have to see to believe. Believe to see. I do not have to believe to see. My believing is my seeing. My believing is my seeing. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. I believe with everything within me that there is a revival coming out of people that have never been used before. I believe with everything within me that there is a revival of people that will never stand behind a pulpit and will never grace a platform, but that will not dilute your power in the kingdom for such a time as this. I believe we are the hour of the church where not everybody's going to have time to get a microphone or a platform to be used by God, but you can stand 
stand under the anointing of the Holy Ghost and in the face of the unbeliever say, no, the promise is here. No, what we've been praying for is here. My, 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 my. Might I remind you of a young slave girl that was taken out of Israel, stripped through the hands of a Syrian warlord by the name of Naaman, stripped out of her country, brought to serve this warlord's wife. And while she's in the house, Naaman, a leprous man, a man that had the disease of leprosy, this disease was slowly killing him, slowly eating away at his body, slowly shutting his organs down. This disease has a lot like sin. You may not see it now, but on the inside, sin is eating away at your flesh. It is eating away at the life that is within you. And while this little slave girl is in the house, she begins to preach to the wife of a warlord and say, oh, if my Lord could just get to Israel and connect to the prophet that's there, the king could not even believe that Naaman could be healed by God. What does that tell me uh, that there are people in this house uh, that are going to believe greater uh, than people that you could ever imagine could believe. Uh, the very king of Israel could not believe uh, that that miracle could take place. Uh, but a little girl uh, that was taken out of her country uh, and forced to serve a warlord's wife said, uh, there's a God in Israel uh, that can change uh, your situation. Uh, can I tell you, uh, you can be used by God. Uh, you are significant. You do matter. You are important. I'm reminded of a Gideon. This man Gideon visited by the Lord. As he is visited by the Lord, the Lord tells him, O Gideon, thou mighty man of valor. And he says, Lord, who in the world are you talking to? Do you know who I am? I am the least of my family, and the family is the least in Israel. We are a nothing, and we are a nobody. What does Gideon end up becoming? The deliverer, the deliverer sent from God, from Midian, all because he came unto the understanding of the revelation of the hour. I don't have to be great, but if God is going with me, anything is possible. If God is going with me, anything is possible. I'm here today to tell you that if you will get the revelation in this hour, if you will go, God will go with you. And it does not matter who you are or where you are in the spectrum of the kingdom of God or how little and insignificant you think you are. There is a call to go. And if you will go, God will go with you. And if God be for us, what can stand against us, friend? We have to get the revelation of the hour. God is calling everybody in the church to believe this is our time. Do not miss Gideon's process. The Bible says that Gideon, after he starts getting the revelation that God is going to go with him, he says, and Gideon went in and, and he wants to make a gift for the Lord because he is seeking a sign 
that, that God is really going to do what he said he was going to do. And so the Bible says, if I have found grace in thy sight, then show me a sign that thou talkest with me. Depart not hence, I pray thee, until I come unto thee and bring forth my present and set it before thee. And he said, I will tarry until thou come again. We are a sign seeking people. We are a people that have prayed and asked God for a sign. We have asked God to show us you're going to do what you say you are going to do. And there's nothing wrong with asking for God to show you a sign. However, we must get the process of the sign correct because when Gideon asked for a sign, he understood First comes sacrifice, then comes the sign. And this is how Gideon worded his sacrifice. He did not call it a sacrifice. He called it a present or a gift because Gideon got the revelation somewhere in his life that when you make a sacrifice unto the Lord, it's really not a sacrifice at all. It is a gift unto the Lord. It is an opportunity to bless the one that has blessed you, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Can I preach to you today for just a minute? You have to understand the magnitude of this sacrifice. Gideon and the, the people of Israel and Midian had been under the hand of the Midianites for seven years to the point that the Bible says there was no sustenance even for their animals. There was no food. It was an inflicted famine because Midian would come and they would stomp out the fruit of the land. They would stomp out all of the increase. There was not much for the people. And the Bible says that Gideon asks the angel of the Lord, can I prepare for you something? And he goes forward and he gets an ephah of flour. Now that's very important because it was only the tenth of the ephah that was required for the sin offering. And so when Gideon prepares the ephah of flour, this was no small sacrifice. An ephah of flour was somewhere between 36 and 42 pounds of flour. Split that down the middle and say, he gave 38 pounds of flour. That may not seem like a lot to you and to me. However, when you remember that there was a famine in the land, when you remember that there was seven years of nothing for the people, what does that tell you and I? Gideon got the revelation that when God said, I'm going to go with you, that he could believe before there was ever the sword of the Lord and of Gideon, that God was going to do what he said he was going to do, and he would provide on the latter end of victory was not that was not already in the present he could believe now for what was coming before it ever got there Let's look into this. It was said in, in study that, that at least one pound of flour would make a loaf of bread in those days. A one pound loaf of bread would sustain roughly for three days a young man like Gideon. So you have three days of, of sustainment for one pound loaf of flour. That would mean that they could have made 38 loaves of bread and each loaf sustaining at least three days for Gideon. That's a 114 
days of food at least. That's almost three months worth of food for a man that was in a famine. What does that tell you and what does that tell me? That before Gideon ever got to the battlefield, he believed that deliverance was on the horizon. Before he ever laid eyes on a fallen Midian, he could believe. And I'm here today to tell you, you have to become a Rhoda and you have to become a Gideon in this hour that before you see it, you believe it. Ah, I feel a nudge of the Holy Ghost here. Before you ever get into that building, can you see it full? Before you ever step foot into that, can you believe that God is going to provide like he has never provided before? Can you believe it here and now before you ever get there? Oh, I need somebody to loose your faith right now. I need somebody to lift your voice and shout right now. Uh, you've got to believe it before you see it. Oh, I feel like preaching a little bit here. I said, you've got to believe it before you see it. Before you ever lay eyes on it, right here, right now, do you have enough faith to believe that God is going to do what he said he's going to do? Before you ever put the tangible eyes in the natural, in the supernatural, can you believe that there is a revival that is beyond your wildest imagination? Can you believe that there are miracles in this house right now before you ever lay eyes on a miracle? Can you believe that chains are going to break like they sing about before a chain comes off of you? Can you believe right here before you ever make it to the altar? Before we go another step into this service? Can you believe it here and now that God, my Lord, have mercy? You have to get the revelation of provision. Provision is for the going, not for the stationary. At each point that Gideon had doubt, he had already moved a little bit. Before Gideon ever got the fleece, he had already tore down the altar of Baal. And before Gideon ever got to go down to the camp and hear what the enemy was saying, he had already got the fleece and believed to move forward and assemble the troops. What does that tell you and what does that tell me? That provision will not come when you're stationary. Provision comes when you move in believing before it ever happens. Man, I feel a little touch coming in here right now. Can you believe that God can provide if you really do that crazy sacrifice? Can you believe that God can meet you on the latter end greater than you ever had on the former? If you're really willing to step out in faith and do what God is telling us, to do oh lift your hands right now lift your voices and let your faith go for just a minute come on lift your voices lift your voices with me for just a moment hallelujah Jesus hallelujah Jesus hallelujah Jesus oh glory to God glory to God glory to God glory to God Mm. Israel had visited the promised land and they were given an opportunity to believe. 
as they were standing before every promise of God looking at grapes that were so big that two men had to carry the cluster. They said, we be not able, for there are giants in this land. The son of Anak are there. They left that place, spinning them into 40 years of wandering. Most of their wandering was in the place called Kadesh Barnea. If you look at the word Kadesh, it is of the same root when you say he is the Ruach HaKadesh. It literally means a holy place. And so God takes them to a holy place. And it is there at the holy place that all of the people that could not believe were removed out from Israel. A certain generation of the men of war had to be removed because he was dealing with the mindset that said, we be not able. Can I tell you how you deal with the mindset of unbelief? You've got to visit a holy place. Uh, because Kadesh Barnea literally means a holy place. Can I tell you today, God is going to put you in holy atmospheres so that you can believe he's going to do what he said he was going to do. I'm here today to tell Atlanta West, it's no wonder you're having the move of God you've been having. It's no wonder you're having the visitations you're having in worship. It is simply so that God can prove to you that he is going to do what he said he's going to do God help me right now oh, hallelujah 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 do not miss that they were also by the brook Zered because the brook Zered literally means growth. It was a brook lined with shrubbery. And in the Greek or in the Hebrew, it literally means growth. And so while God was removing the ideology of we be not able, he was depositing things within Israel that they did not know. He was depositing in them to prepare them for where they were going. I know it's not always easy when God tries to deal with small mindedness, but if you will allow him to deal with small mindedness in holy atmospheres. Little do you know that in the background he is putting systems. He is putting things in line that are preparing you not just for this but for sustained growth in where you're going. Somebody needs to worship right now. I feel this is a word of the Lord for this church. God is putting things in place that are going to take you places you never thought you could go. And my question here for you is, do you believe it before you see it? Finally, the last person that says we're not able fades away and they bury the person with the last mindset of unbelief while they are leaving Kadesh Barnea the Lord tells them that I'm going to put a fear on the land of you the land is going to fear you then why is it that immediately they are attacked by Shion and Og I want to bring this out just for a minute these two kings did not fear Israel if they feared them, I do not believe they would have acted in the way that they were acting. But the reason that God had to allow these kings to come against them is because the fear of the land that was coming upon them was not a fear of the land of where they were at. It was a fear of the land of where they were going. 
need you to hear what I just said. Because when they arrived in the promised land, what does Rahab tell them? We heard how the Lord God dried up the waters of the Red Sea and what he did unto the Egyptians. But then he says, she says, we also heard what you did to the king Shion and Og. What am I trying to tell you? I'm trying to tell you that the battles you are fighting right here and right now are not for this location. Therefore, where you're going and God is sending a message to the enemy of your future. You better watch out for Atlanta West because where they're headed, the enemy's already got notice. You know how to slay giants and you know how to kill your adversary. What you're fighting right now is not for here, it's for there. The enemies that you're coming against right now, if you'll stand and fight the good fight, you're going to send notice to where you're going. God fights with you. Oh, stand with me and lift your voices. There's a surge of faith coming in this place. Lift your voices and let the Lord minister right now. Ah, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Stay standing, I'm almost done. The place after they kill Shion, they go to the place called Edrei. Everybody say Edrei. If you look at the book of maps, Edrei is the furthest place that they go away from the promised land on their journey and their final conquest into Canaan. You will see that the place called Edrei literally defines as the place in between two places. It's really not a place at all. It's just a place where they're caught in between two places. I feel the word of the Lord right now. It is a place where they're caught between the tug of the future and the pull of the past. It is the place where they're being pulled on, on what God's going to do and the fear of the past creeping in on them. And it is at the place called Edrei that they slay the giant named Og. Og is not like any other giant. He is not listed by his toes, his sword, his spear, or his shield. Og is listed by his bed. Why? Because the last giant before the promised land will always be comfort. And if we get comfortable where we're at, it will rob us of where we're going. I feel the word right now. I said it will rob you of everything God has for you. I know it's good here. I know you're having good church. I know people are getting the Holy Ghost. I know you're seeing good things. But what God has at the next place will be greater than you have ever had. And you've got to believe it now before you see it. On Atlanta, I feel a surge of the Holy Ghost trying to talk to you right now. Can you believe it, Rhoda? Before you see it, can you believe it, Rhoda? Uh, uh, the Bible says that when they slayed, when they slayed Og, that they also took the entire region of Argob, 
that word argob literally means the measuring or the rope of which people would measure with in the Old Testament. Oh man, because when you slay comfort, God will change your measure of faith. Oh, you need to hear what I just said. I know you can slide into neutral and you can coast through your walk with God. But if you will rise up today on a Sunday morning and say, I am not satisfied. I am not complacent and I am not content with where I'm at. I believe that where God has taken me is greater. And you will slay the giant of here and buy into the present and the future tense of what God's going to do there. He will change your measure of faith here. Then you will have more here before you ever get there. Come on. Let him stretch your faith. Let him stretch your faith. Let him stretch your faith right now. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? Can you believe it? Before you see it. Before you see it. Come on. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Come on, come on, that's it, that's it, that's it. Come on, do you have faith to believe? Do you have faith to believe? Do you have faith to believe? This altar is open, I'm done. If you need God to do something in your life, you ought to run up here before he does it. If you're ready to slay the giant of comfort that would stop you from going where God wants you to go, you ought to run to this altar and say, I believe. I believe, I believe, I believe.